1: journey begins with our action. For example, the journey of faith. The journey of faith didn't start with you. The journey of faith did not start with me. I didn't think one day, ooh, yeah, I'm going to accept this Jesus Christ and I'm going to be saved. It didn't start with you. No, 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 no. Long before the foundations of the world, God had a plan. Long before the foundations of the world, God had a plan. He knew man would sin. He
0: knew there had to be a redeemer. Whenever you're worried because of difficult circumstances taking place in your life, never forget that God is in control. Today, Pastor Dave will be reminding you that even before the foundations of the world, God had a plan for your salvation. God is sovereign, and he's always working things out for your good. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 9, as he begins his message, Journey of Faith.
1: You are sure
0: Jesus heard that they had cast
1: him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he Lord that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Finish this saying for me, if you will. A journey of a thousand miles begin with a single step. At least that's what some Chinese philosopher observed many, many years ago. And his point in saying this was actually to encourage an action when you are facing a very daunting task that is before you and you can't seem to get going and you're to take one step at a time. For example, I have a garage. And when I look into my garage, if there was a car in there, I probably wouldn't see it. The garage is a mess. It looks like it had been hit by a tornado and then an earthquake. Everything's upside down and all over the place. And I often want to clean my garage out, but it's such a mess, to the point where the Western pest guy came over once, went in the garage, I had to tie a rope around him so I could get him back. The garage is horrible. It it really is, but I want to clean it out. And every time I look to clean it, the task gets bigger and bigger and bigger and and greater and greater and greater. So I have to remember that if a journey starts with uh, one step, a journey to remove a thousand pieces of junk and all kinds of stuff starts with one throwout. Just concentrate on one item that you don't want, pick it up and get rid of it. And then as you continue on, sooner or later, the, car- the garage would become clean. Well, at least that's the theory. But not every journey begins with our effort. Not every journey begins with our effort action. For example, the journey of faith. The journey of faith didn't start with you. The journey of faith did not start with me. I didn't think one day, ooh, yeah, I'm going to accept this Jesus Christ and I'm going to be saved. It didn't start with you. No, 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 no. Long before the foundations of the world, God had a plan. Long before the foundations of the world, God had a plan. He knew man would sin. He knew there had to be a redeemer. And Jesus said, here I am, send me. I'll go, long before the foundations of the world. And God sent his son as a man to come to earth, to walk and talk and to be with us. God incarnate, the man, Jesus Christ, the God, Jesus Christ. He did that, and he became our sacrifice for sin. He became our way back to God. He became our redeemer, and that through him we can be reconciled to God. He clearly says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. It was his action, not my action. We read in scriptures, specifically Romans 5, verse 8. And I'm paraphrasing here. God demonstrated his vast love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross. Long ago, Christ died on the cross because it was God's plan to save mankind. The apostle John, when he wrote his first letter, one John that's called, he says this. We love Him because He first loved us. God demonstrated that love to us. God poured out that love upon us. And what do we do? We respond to that love. We respond to that love and we accept what Jesus did on the cross and we become born again. We have salvation. During the last several weeks, we've been studying chapter 9 of the Gospel of John We've been studying the story of a man who was once blind. And we've come now to almost the end of this story, but I'm going to kind of revisit it because I believe there's a journey we can see here. There's a journey of faith that this man has taken the entire time, and I want to point it out to you this morning. A blind man. What do we know about him? Basically, that he was born blind, and his parents were still alive. That's all we know. We know nothing else according to Scripture. We don't know if the man ever felt cheated in life. We don't know if he ever felt that he got a raw deal from God being born blind. Scripture doesn't say that. We don't know if he ever blamed God for his blindness. We don't know if he ever blamed his parents for his blindness. We don't know that because Scripture doesn't tell that. But I can surmise my flesh would feel that way. Maybe you've felt that way. Maybe you feel that life has cheated you. Maybe you feel that life has given you a raw deal. I mean, you never seem to be able to get ahead. You're always one step behind trying to catch up with everybody else. Things don't seem to go the way you planned. Maybe you've suffered a a tragedy. Maybe you've suffered a loss. Maybe you've suffered many other different things that you can't seem to get ahead. And you don't know what to do with all this. And maybe you're chasing something and every time you're through your grass, it slips away. You don't understand it. So what do you do? Well, the first thing that happens is our our past haunts us. Our past begins to haunt us. Past... Failures, past hurts, past afflictions, past people in our lives that have done us wrong and and treated us dirtily. You somehow feel cheated. Life wasn't supposed to be this way. Maybe you blame God. Maybe you blame God. Did this man, this blind man since birth, blame God for his affliction? We don't know because it doesn't say. So, we can't be dogmatic about it. It's not in our scriptures. But I can see from previous verses here in John 9 that this man is about to begin a journey, if you will. The entire story in John 9 takes a man from point A and leads him to point B. Point A being blinded, lost, broken, feeling cheated, point B being salvation through Jesus Christ. This man is on a journey, a journey of faith. This man is on a journey. He's about to encounter the Messiah. He's about to have an encounter with the Son of God. The Son of God is going to touch him in a mighty, mighty way. He's going to have a wonderful encounter. And I've said this millions of times. If you ever have that kind of encounter with God, you will never be the same again. When you have an encounter like that of God, your life is changed forever just like this blind man who we've been studying. This man was about about to embark on a journey of faith, a journey of faith. And as we look at this journey, as we look at this journey time, maybe we'll gain some insights on what we can expect in our own journey of faith. I mean, after all, think about it. It's a matter of truth that at some point in our lives, We had a spiritual blindness problem. At some point in our lives, we were spiritually blind, and dare I say, some of you sitting before me today may be spiritually blind today. You might be having this very problem right now. And that's maybe why God had brought you here this morning, to hear this message. We suffered from a spiritual blindness that only God could cure, that only God could heal through Jesus Christ. Something happened that day to this man. Something happened that day, that Sabbath day, as the man stood outside the temple. Now, I'm sure once he got there, he was in the same place every single day. I'm sure that he took his spot, took his post. He would either sand or sit. His head would be down, and he would hold out his hand as people walked by, expecting them to put something in his hand. Because that's what he was. In some scriptures, he's called a beggar. Because that's what he did. Blind and begging. Looking for a handout. But that day, everything would change. Everything would change. Because as he was standing there, a group of men walked up to him. A group of men came towards him. And he noticed that. Being blind, his other senses were of great power. So he knew that he was surrounded by a group of men. He didn't really know how many. But one in particular, one in particular came very, very close to him. He could hear him breathe. He could feel his presence. He, he, he sensed something about this man. This man that came close to him, that drew, drew near to him. The man showed great compassion towards the blind man. How many times has anybody showed compassion to this man? How many times has anybody showed him love, showed him mercy, showed him compassion? He might not have even known how to act because this man was showing him such compassion. They began to have a discussion about him. I wonder if we said, hey guys, I'm, I'm here, you know. They began to have a discuss- discussion about him. This group that was with the man wanted to know who sinned, he or his parents. Who sinned that this man was born blind? What was the problem? Who sinned? It was a great question. I wonder if the man thought about the question. Gee, who did sin? Am I a sinner? What happened? Was it my parents? But then the man spoke. The man spoke and he got the blind man's attention when he said, but that the, this, neither this man nor his parents were born blind, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. The man's voice carried. The man's voice resounded in this guy's heart because this man spoke as one having authority, spoke as one who had power. And he, this man listened intently to the voice of this man He was compelled to listen as the man spoke. The others remained quiet. They didn't dare say a word. And then the man did something quite extraordinary. He actually spit on the ground, made some clay, and then put it in the blind man's eyes. I can't imagine what the blind man was feeling as he did this. He put it in the blind man's eyes. And he said one thing. He said to the blind man, go to the pool of Siloam and wash Blind man did what he was told. He did what he's told. He obeyed the command of the one who put the clay in his eyes. And this is his first step on this journey. He obeyed the voice that he heard. He took a step. Do you realize how much faith it took for that blind man to go down to that pool? Why am I saying this? At no point do we read in the entire of chapter 9 where Jesus said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash and you'll receive your sight. He never said that. All he said was, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. That's all he said. It took great faith for the blind man to find his way to the pool of Siloam. It took great faith for him to dip his hands in the water and begin to wash his eyes. It took great faith to believe and trust in the words of a man who he'd never seen. A man that he only heard his voice. It took great, powerful faith. He acted upon the words. And by faith he went and he washed. I'm thinking of Abraham. I'm thinking of Abraham, who is the father of faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. God called Abraham out of the Earl of the Chaldees and said, Hey, buddy, I want you to go with your family to a place that I'll show you. Get up. Go to a place that I'll show you. And Abraham left. Abraham got up and went. That's incredible. That is incredible. Such faith to know that you're being led by the Lord. The neat thing about it is that the blind man was rewarded for his obedience, wasn't he? He was rewarded for his obedience and his trusting in the one who told him to go and wash. He goes, he washes And voila, he sees. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Don't get hung up on the voila. Just get hung up on the fact that he looked around. Can you imagine that? He was blind since birth, and all of a sudden he sees a blue sky. All of a sudden he sees a tree. All of a sudden he sees a bird. He sees everything. You can't imagine what he saw for the first time ever. Can you imagine the joy in his heart? Being healed of blindness after all those years? Can you imagine the joy that overwhelmed him? The joy that was just bubbling out of him? I can imagine he ran home to his neighbors. He ran home to tell somebody. Isn't that what we're supposed to do when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ? We're supposed to run and tell somebody about it? Tell somebody? Remember the woman at the well? I met a man who told me about everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This guy runs to his neighbors. He runs to them. His eyes are open and he sees them. He probably saw his neighbors for the first time. Oh, you're wearing that? No. And hey, he looked at everybody. He saw everybody for the first time. He looked at his neighbors. They were astounded. What? Who is this guy? Looks like the blind. Who is this guy? It's me, guys. It's me. I can see. No, wait a minute. Who is this guy? It's me, guys. I can see. And then he says this great thing. A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Somehow, he says, the man named Jesus... Another step of faith, another step of faith, Jesus, the man. Jesus was clearly a man. It's a historical fact, folks, that Jesus was alive. He was a man. It's a historical. There is a historical Jesus. It's a historical fact. His journey of faith takes another step, a man called Jesus. There was something about that name. There was something about the name of Jesus. There was something about that when you said that, it got power. There was power consumed, the name of Jesus. We sing, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. There's power in that name. It's a name like no other name. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. Every um, person will kneel and bow because Jesus is Lord. At that name of Jesus. And just saying the name, he gets get goosebumps. And sometimes I say the name and I get goosebumps. There's such power in that name. There's healing in that name. There's salvation in that name. There's such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Jesus, Yahshua, Jehovah is salvation. What a glorious name it is. A glorious, beautiful, wonderful name. Jesus. Power is released. The neighbors have no idea what to think of this poor guy. They discount him altogether, so they got to take him to the guys behind the curtain. they got to take him to the Pharisees, the ones who are manipulating everything. This healing caused tremendous controversy. This healing of this blind man caused tremendous controversy because it took place on the Sabbath. It disobeyed a man-made law. It didn't disobey God's law, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It disobeyed one of man's 600 and some odd laws about the Sabbath. That you can't wear these, can't do that, can't do this. It disobeyed their laws. They couldn't believe that this man, this Jesus was from God because he broke the law concerning the Sabbath. They continued to question the blind man about this encounter. What do you know about this guy? What do you know? I love the blind man's answer. He's a prophet. Another step of faith. Another step of faith. Jesus went from being a man, and now he's a prophet. He's a prophet. There's a step of faith here. There's a progression here. You can see it. He's a prophet. Yes, Jesus is a man. Yes, Jesus was a prophet. But the sad part about it is, there are many, many religions that stop right there. Yes, Jesus was a man. They won't argue with you. They won't argue that Jesus was a man, and they won't argue with you that Jesus was a prophet. That's it. They won't go any further. They will not go any further. But Jesus is so, so much more. So, so much more. I'm here to declare that to you today. The Pharisees were so confused, they even drag in the man's parents. They pull the man's parents in. Is this your son? And how did he receive his sight? The parents backpedal. Yeah, he's our kid, but we don't know how he got his sight. Ask him. Ask him. The, parent, the, the Pharisees continue to hammer away at Jesus, even to the fact of calling him a sinner. Why was he a sinner? He broke the Sabbath. He was a sinner because he broke their Sabbath law. But the blind man, the guy who now sees with all his might, countered everything they threw at him, when he said to them, the one thing I know, the one thing I know, that once I was blind, now I see. This was a fact that was irrefutable. They couldn't deny it, the man saw. They could not deny this. It was right in front of them. How could they say it? This was pure fact. No one could deny it. The miracle had happened. The man had his sight. But they weren't satisfied. Once again, they said, so how did he open your eyes? (laughs) You know, there was a heated exchange here. And a man asked the Pharisees, well, do you want to be his disciples? And then they reviled him. And they reviled him. This man's born blind faith takes another step. Listen to the words. He takes one more step. He says, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So he was a man. He was a prophet, and now he's from God. You see the progression that's happening here in the man's own words. He was from God. Exactly what Jesus had been telling the Pharisees since the beginning of the Gospel of John. He was sent by the Father. He didn't come on his own. He was sent by the Father. The Father had sent him, and he was going back to the Father. He had told them time and time and time again. What did the Pharisees do? Well, you know the Pharisees, when they're pushed into a corner, they always come out swinging hard. Uh, Okay, you're out of here. That That was their solution. Throw the man out. Because he said Jesus was from God. He said Jesus was from God. He agreed with others instead of agreeing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the type of religious leaders that you agree with us, or you don't agree with anybody else. It's either our way or the highway. You wanna take the highway, goodbye. See you later. Now, this man is thrown out of the temple. This is horrendous. This is horrible for this poor guy. He can't go pray. He can't fellowship with God's people. He has no connection with God. He has no place where he can go and meet God. He can't take a sacrifice into the temple. This was horrible for the God. He was excommunicated. He was an outcast. If he was walking down the street and they saw him, they'd cross the street. They treated him as bad as they treat Gentiles. As bad as they treat women. They treated him horribly. They threw him out of the temple. This was a terrible, terrible thing. He was an outcast. He was an outcast. We don't know where he went after this. But we do know that Jesus sought him out. And this is where we begin in verse 35. Didn't think I'd get there, did you? Oh, ye of little faith. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, Jesus goes and finds the guy. You are assured.
0: The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website Just click on the Messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com We'd love to meet you too Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel, Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.